Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I am here with yet another high demand coach, and that is the one and only Kyle Gillette. He's the founder and CEO of Blue Shirt Business Coaching, and he's helped small business owners and leaders around the world to take their businesses from good to great. He's an ICF certified coach. He's a behavioral analyst and also the creator of Blue Shirt Leadership Framework that helps leaders and small business owners become the leaders they're meant to be. Kyle, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to dive in on some of this. But before we get there, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into coaching and why? Sure. Thanks for having me, Scott. I appreciate it. How did I get into coaching? Well, I was thrust into a coaching situation because I was terrified to be an adult. So that's that's how I got into it. And I was in college talking to my parents on the phone. I remember I remember the conversation very clearly sitting at this makeshift desk that I'd made out of a piece of plywood and two by fours, staring at this big fat Dell monitor as I'm talking to my parents on the phone. Now, obviously, it wasn't video because I'm too old for it to be video at that time. And I'm telling my parents, OK, so. I'm behind in school. I'm 40 pounds overweight and I'm terrified to do life is basically what I was telling them without really telling them. And I didn't really realize that's what was happening to me. I had gone on a trip to India a few weeks prior to that. And fortunately, that conversation with my parents, which helped encourage me a little bit. And then a phone call from a guy that was on the trip with me that said, Hey, there's a, there's a business or is there a job opening for you at this men's mentoring program? And I think you'd be a good fit. And I said, okay, tell me about it. So John, my friend told me about it. And a couple of days later, I went to an interview, interviewed at the job, hour and a half long interview, sat in this farmhouse on 20 acres, rolling green hills in San Luis Obispo, California. And they ran this pet resort that supported a non uh, men's mentoring program, guys 18 and 25, just off track in life. And my job, were to I accept it, was to go live in the house with six other dudes that are really lost and confused in life. Well, I'm the guy that's lost and confused in life. <laughs> so, so Jack, the president of the program, shakes my hand at the end of the interview. We're standing in the middle of this house that was built in the 1880s. And I still remember this brown, big entertainment center. I don't know if you remember those those wooden entertainment centers way back in the day. I was staring at that as I'm looking at him and he's asked me, do you, want, do you want this job? And what I knew that meant was I'd be moving out of my apartment with my friends and moving into this place with strangers and another guy that would help me lead the program that I didn't know anything about. 
And I said, yes. And that was what thrust me into coaching because for the next nine years, I lived with these guys or they worked for me in different capacities and I coached them and trained them. And then in the midst of that, I also got coaching and training from my mentor who was the founder of the program. And that was the catalyst to going, oh, this is what I really love to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So we'll fast forward here. You've been a coach for a while now. What would you say is some of the most important work that you're doing with your clients at this moment? Helping them to realize that it's okay to not have it all figured out. It's Mm -hmm. okay for them to admit that they might feel like they're on an island, that they feel like they're an imposter, that their numbers aren't where they want them to be, that their systems aren't where they want them to be. All all those things that people are really afraid to admit or to share, that it's okay. And, And if you share it and we talk about this, we can resolve a lot of that. It's not going to be instantaneous, but we can resolve a lot of that. And what that boils down to in a word is accountability, helping them to be okay with holding themselves. I can't hold them accountable. Only you can hold yourself accountable. I can hold myself accountable and they can hold themselves accountable, but going, okay, it's okay that I, that I hold myself to these things that I say I'm going to do. So that's one of the the first insights in the heart of what I'm doing with all my clients. And it's so good because it's so important. Uh, I, you know, there's this myth of entrepreneurism that that's rampant now, which is it's, it's cocktails on the beach, you know, of, uh, and, and there's this idea that like, you have to have the entrepreneur smile. Have you seen it? It's just kind of like this, uh, you know, it's like this, like wincing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, there's too many, too many teeth, too many. What's, what's really going on? You know, how's it going? It's great. You know, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, But what a lot of folks don't realize before they get into it and what everyone realizes once they do get into the game is getting a business up off the ground, getting it through these big growth challenges. It's like waking up every morning, finding a sharp corner and just banging your head against it. You know, (laughs) like that should be the definition of entrepreneurism. And when you're doing that alone, right, uh, it's such a challenge um, because you're right. Like mixed into this, you've got visionaries who've got these big ideas on where they should be. And I mean, just the nature of the game is you're not there yet, you know, and and you're wrestling with the dynamic between the two of them. So what does that look like? I mean, uh, you talk about accountability. I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's not the first word they're looking for, right? Uh, <laughs> but so, so someone comes in, they're just frustrated with where they are. How do you start moving them out of that into something more productive? Yeah, I mean, the the work that I really love to do is to get them to know their story. What's their story and what's the why behind what they're doing? And, and I know it's a little bit cliche to talk about why, but that is extremely important. If If I can tell you with conviction what I'm trying to do in my business and tell other people with conviction what I'm trying to do, some people start to get on board with that. They start to get interested. And that makes what you're doing, you don't feel so alone because people are getting on board, they're interested and whether or not they can directly contribute isn't that significant at that point. It's more about, oh, there's other people that care about what I'm doing. I have some support because being an entrepreneur can be rather lonely. Running a business and you're so busy doing the business, it can be rather lonely. So when other people engage you and they're genuinely interested in your story of the deeper why of why you started this business or why you're still running it, even though it's so hard, that keeps you moving along. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure people have a clear mission or vision depends on the person, which one we're going to do, but want to get that very clear. 
so that that's clear for them, but it's also clear for their vendors, for their customers, and maybe most importantly for their employees. And if that's clear, now we have a message that we're sharing, the message of what our business is. And now we have something to stand on to, to move forward from. And from that, you build your systems and all and, and so on. But that has to be clarified as soon as possible. And it feels great to have that up in front of you on a wall or to have that in some graphic but it's not about the visual of it. It's about the implementation. It's about embodying it as the leader of the organization. Yeah. I want to get into a little bit more of that. But what I'd love to do is pause for a second, because you mentioned mission or vision. Uh, how do you de kind of define the differences between those two? And uh, who should be going after mission? Who should be going after vision? To me, vision is something that has a number associated with it. Mission is more of the boots on the ground of what you're doing to achieve the vision. So vision is actually a little bit broader for me. It's more of the biggest umbrella, let's call it. Mm -hmm. Mission is more of the, this is how we're going to pull off the mission. So for example, my vision is to help thousands of business owners shift their mindsets and habits so that their hearts can be transformed. So they can become the best version of themselves, if you will. The mission of that has to do with the way that I coach, has to do with the self-awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment approach that I take to my clients. So they are synergistic and they have to be, but some people can't start with the vision because they're not really sure where they want to go in the big scheme, but they do know what they want to be doing in the, in the little bit more intermediate scheme of things. And so depending on where the person lands in terms of their clarity of where they want things to be determines if you're going to do vision or or mission and sometimes you can do both of course yeah i i love that because there's uh, you know lots of people know about vision lots of people know about culture folks have read good to great or built to last and it's like you know the uh you know toyota story and and all of these um and i think folks can try to over vision too early Right. Mm -hmm. And and so that it works in some environments. You know, if you're if you're creating a vision for a new roofing company in your area that does roofing just like everybody else, but nicer and actually on time and delivers, you know, like that doesn't take an enormous amount of vision. Uh, but if you're you know, if you're paving the way into something, uh, even if you're you know chief among visionaries, there's still this sense of of just opportunism. Right. You're going out there and you're trying things and they're failing and you're trying things and they're failing. And that's just part of the process early on. And I love that you separate those two. And again, even coming back to this idea that you have at the very beginning of saying, hey, it's okay. Right. It's okay that you don't have the vision figured out yet. You can make progress now so that when you actually go and do the right, you, 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 you can do the right vision the first time. One of the things that you also mentioned is, is kind of putting it up on the wall. And I think those two go together where if you do your vision too soon, you put it up on the wall. Now you're stuck with it. You know, <laughs> you start drifting away from it or just openly denying it, but it's on the wall. I think that's one of the biggest injustices that leaders do to their followers is have one vision on the wall, right? And have the other that they're actually going after. So how, how do you help folks really get clarity around knowing that they know that this is the vision they want to go after? You know, I recently went through that myself where I didn't know what I know now. I wasn't really clear on what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. And I was listening to a book called Limitless by by James Quick or Jim Quick, excuse me. I always say that anyway, by Jim Quick. And in the book, he talks about the need for vision. And we, I've heard this a hundred times. 
listeners have heard it a hundred times, but I really wanted my dang vision to be clarified. So I turn off the audio and I, I prayed. I'm like, what is the vision I'm supposed to have? And then it came to me. And it was that thousands of business owners shifting their mindsets and habits. And for me, the reason that the way to get there was, is it's an intuitive thing, right? You play with it. You mess with it. You try to figure out what is it that you really enjoy? Who do you enjoy doing it with in, in terms of business? But it also needs to be big enough to encompass important aspects of your your life, not just business, but your life. And for me, impacting people's lives and shifting their mindsets and habits is generational impact, is generational change, not only for the leaders, but those that they're leading, because the way they shift impacts those that they're leading, which impacts their families and so on. So the heart behind it for me is the generational shift that happens as a result. So that really resonates with me. So until it resonates with the business owner, it's not going it, to, it's not going to sit well and it's gonna be harder to go after. Mm-hmm. And it's okay because it, it took me four and a half years to get there. <laughs> right? yeah. Did I, did I still run my business? Yes. Did I run it successfully? Yes. Is it okay that I didn't have a vision? Yes. But I had a mission instead. My mission had to do with who I am, which is someone that wants to coach people, someone that wants to help people in that regard with those four pillars that I mentioned. So I was still going after that. It's just my lighthouse was really, really foggy and I couldn't quite see the light very clearly. And then the vision hit. Now the lighthouse is clear and I've been working on my ship for a long time, which is my mission. The ship is ready and it's dialed in. And now I'm rowing in the right direction, if you will, towards that lighthouse. And I intuitively now know that the path I'm on, I'm pointing in the right direction. Finally, I I, I veer off, but I know I can get back to it. Yeah, there's just so much to unpack in that. But one of the things you've mentioned several times now and and going back to your vision is this idea of shifting mindsets and habits. Uh, and, And to an extent, shifting presupposes that there's something wrong, right? Or that there's gains to be made by by changing. So what do you find your clients are shifting from and to? Yeah, from often it's a, it's a mindset of I have to do everything myself is one of the mindsets. Another one is that there's no way to get over or through this thing, whatever it is. Sometimes it's a cash flow issue. Sometimes it's an employee issue, hiring people issue, whatever. It, it varies. But I'm I'm stuck. I'm not good enough. Or I I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> those are those are some of the things that happen. And when you start to shift and realize that just a little tweak, a little different perspective here of, well, what if you tried this or have you tried this? That little shift can make a huge difference. I have a a client right now that he's, he works in landscaping and handyman. He's got a a million, million dollar business, but his cash flow is terrible. He continues to struggle with the cash flow. I said, well, what's, what's your business savings account look like? He said, I don't have one. (laughs) That's a shift. That's a huge shift for him. And now he's putting a percentage aside every single project, every single contract. He puts a percentage aside to his personal savings and his business savings so that he can build them both up for rainy days because inevitably in his industry, there's rainy days. And that literally, exactly, that little shift is, is huge for him. And plenty of other businesses don't do that. They don't have a, a set aside savings for those quote rainy days or for future projects they want to work on and just have a little bit of a little nest egg there to, to use for that. So that's an, an example that tends to fit a lot of people. 
Yeah. And I, I, again, I think it's so important because when you walk into being an entrepreneur, there are so many different skills that you're now the number one person responsible for in your business, especially if it's a business of one, right? Even if you have two or three people helping you along, you know, when it hits the fan, if you will, where did everybody's eyes go? They go to you. And, right. and, there's nothing that can really prepare you for that. Business school doesn't do that. You know, some entrepreneur program for six months. If you get any program that's long enough to teach you all the lessons you'd need to know before going in, there's not a, an entrepreneur in the world who'd be patient enough to go through that, right? So a lot of it is, you know, it's just the nature of the game. Again, you're, you're learning as we go. And, and in many times, that's the best way for, for that style of person to learn. Uh, but what happens and, and is... When you're doing it alone, it's a lot easier to get stuck, right? It, it's a lot easier to mistake a problem for something that's just terminal, right? You we can't get beyond this. This is how it always is. And uh, I love that you go in and help folks to change that because you're right. That that slight adjustment in the way we think about it can have just huge impact downstream. It's, it's all about angles. Can you can you look at it from a different angle and, and a very practical way to do that? Just to give people something very practical here, is I have a give you another example. I have a client right now that he's really downsized his business quite a bit, and it's been super beneficial for him. He's gotten his head around his business. He's got his numbers figured out significantly. So now he can step into a new season of growth while he's much more stabilized in the way he's thinking about things and seeing things and better systems, etc. And the, one of the best ways to continue to wrap your mind around things and to see your business, your leadership, the people on your team from new angles is to write, to write it down. Why do you know, that's the whole idea of creating a business plan. There is wisdom in that. People don't want to do that often, but there is wisdom in that. But if you just create a 12 week business plan or a 12 week idea of what the heck's going on in your business, where you'd like to see it go. That's a new angle. It's a third, quote unquote, third party angle that you get to see what's happening. And you could pick a person on your team that's difficult to deal with. Put their name down and look at them from all these different angles, but put it on paper because we swim in our heads as business owners all the time. We're just swimming and swimming. Let's quit treading water and make some progress. But the best way to do that is to get it down on paper. Or the, I don't know if it's the best, but it's one of the simplest ways to do it. Yeah. 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 That's good. All right. So here's the moment that I love in the show. And that is, uh, and ask this question. Um, what's the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish every founder, leader, entrepreneur listening today knew? It's tied to what I said to a certain degree, and it's ask open questions. Mm. So many business owners that I've worked with do not know how to ask good questions. They really, really struggle. They struggle to ask good questions about their the the inanimate things of their business, projects and, and vendors and all these things that are happening over here. And then they really struggle to ask open questions of their employees. And an open question is a question that allows thought. It allows meaning. It allows emotion to come out. Mm -hmm. And leaders typically are asking closed questions that are binary. Should we do it this way or that way? We've tried it this way and we've tried it that way. So we only can do it this way. Right. It's closed thinking. And when you start to draw out insights from people, the only way you can truly do it is by asking open-ended questions. What do you think about this? What would your approach be? How, how have you tried this in the past? Those types of questions 
draw out insights from your employees in ways that you just cannot when you're telling people what to do. Behind that, one more piece of this one behind that is you have to be curious. You have to have this insatiable curiosity for your team, for the people that you work with and assume that they are fascinating. It's one of the things I challenge all my clients with is, do you do you assume your employees are fascinating, that they have fascinating lives, they're a fascinating person as who they are as a character, as a, as a person, as an individual. And if you don't, it's a lot harder to ask them questions that are meaningful because they're just a robot. They're just a cog in the wheel of the business. And I'm not trying to be harsh here, but a lot of people will see employees like that on accident, not because they're jerks, but because they're just busy doing the work and they don't recognize that this is a human life in front of you in this two minute interaction that you're having. And if they're fascinating to you and they're really interesting and you know that they're brilliant because they are, otherwise, why did you hire them? Then you can pull out that insight by asking open questions. So insatiable curiosity and belief that they're amazing, coupled with powerful questions is is a recipe for really high success as a leader. That's such great advice, because one of the things that most entrepreneurs have going for them is that they are curious people, right? right? They're constantly looking at how the world could be a better place. It's what got them to start in the first place. And where we get hung up so many times is where we fail to shift how we how we communicate that, how we leverage that curiosity, right? Because early on, it's just you figuring it out, right? But if you get stuck in, I figure it out then yeah, it shuts everything else down. So I, I love I love how you brought that out because if you can, if you think that they're brilliant, if you think they're novel, you will not find a group of people who are more curious than entrepreneurs, right? Uh, yep. And uh, yeah, so I love that. And it's just about, it's not like, oh, it's not me or it's you know a wiring thing. It's none of those things. It's just a new skill to pick up and, and develop. Uh, all right. So what I'm going to have you do here uh, for a second is I'm going to have you take off your coach hat, right? I'm going to have you put on your CEO hat, CEO uh, of Blue Shirt Coaching. And uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about what you think the next stage of growth looks like for you and your business. And what challenge will you have to overcome to get there? This morning, I was reviewing how my business is done done in the last few years, actually. And so two years ago, it grew 45% or three years ago, grew 45%. The year after that, it grew 50 something. I can't remember exactly. And then this year it was 50.88%, right? So the business has been growing. So now I I know for a fact that I'm on a a trajectory of growth, a trajectory of shifts happening. But as a coach, I can only coach so many people and I can only charge so much where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to charge this $50,000 for, for a year's worth of coaching or, or whatever. Some people charge a lot and that's great. I want to impact a lot of people, hence the vision that I have. So the the evolution of my business is into more of a one-to-one coaching plus membership. And this this new name is tying myself to home service businesses. It's tying myself to people in the trades, business owners in the trades, and working with them because that's a group of business owners that don't have the resources that a lot of the quote white collar people do. They do. The blue collar people do too, but they don't know that. And I want to be able to serve them and build a membership around that that helps them not be in the truck all the time, not not have to be in the field all the time, not take the phone call with the customer late at night, just like any other business doesn't want to be doing that either. And provide a community of people where the plumber 
in Wisconsin, in this particular city in Wisconsin, doesn't want to talk to any of the other plumbers in there because they're in competition, but they can talk to the dude in Washington anytime he wants, and they can mastermind together with the same problems that they're dealing with. And that goes across, you know, the industries there and bring them together, bring a community together that genuinely cares about each other, that can have mutual accountability and then see the progress that's the result of that because that's the formula that I use with my personal clients and I know it works. And so let's plug it into a bunch of people and I know it's going to work as well because I'm already doing a mini version of this. So the business is shifting in that direction because that's more people, more impact, more legacy changing, more generational changing as a result. I love that. I love that. Now, uh, we'd be remiss to not mention you've you've got a book that's out, right? Uh, Sage Leadership. Uh, and why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and and uh, what folks can expect to get out of it? Yeah, for sure. So let, I'll give you the metaphor of the book. Uh, the book is about your leadership house. And there's four pillars or four parts to your leadership house. The foundation is self-awareness. Without a self-awareness, you cannot build a house. You need, you need to have that foundation. Then accountability is the nails that holds that leadership house together. Without accountability, as we've seen where a leader isn't holding themselves accountable, things kind of fall in on them and worse, fall in on other people as well. Growth is the walls and the roof. So this is the idea that, you know, you have that leadership lid to use the John Maxwell uh, language. We got to, we got to raise that lid. We got to remodel your leadership and adjust where the wall is, adjust where certain parts of your leadership is as your business grows. And as the people that come in and are influenced by you need different leadership styles or different approach, then empowerment is the windows and doors. And this is the idea that I'm doing my thing and I'm killing it as leader. You're doing your thing. You're killing it as a leader. You've got a great foundation. Accountability is in place. You're growing. And then people see it and they're looking through those windows and they're going, wait a second. That's, I want to be a part of that business. I want to be influenced by that leader in that culture. Mm -hmm. And so they knock on that door, you open it up and they come in and start working with you. Mm -hmm. And so that is the gist of what Sage leadership is about is building that leadership house. And I walk people through a bunch of different mindsets and habits, both through story, statistics, anecdotes, and practically like I did on some of what we talked about today to help them actually implement it and step into that process and start building more of the leadership house that they already have, but get some, get some furniture in there, get some clarity on what's, what's happening. Is there a chip in my foundation? What's going on with that window? Why is it cracked? That kind of stuff. I love that. Where can we get a copy? Yeah. Go to amazon.com or Barnes and Noble. And then there's various other retailers, but those are the two main places. Just look up Sage Leadership and then type in my name, Kyle as well. Cause there's another one called Sage Leadership. That's not mine. Got it. Got it. We'll uh, we'll make sure we put the link in the uh, show notes for everybody. Kyle, thank you so much for being here. It was just such an honor having you on. Such great, great wisdom and advice. And for everyone listening, your time and attention just mean the absolute world to us. So thank you for being here. Thanks for tuning in. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com 
And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.